Welcome, everyone. We are simulationists across the globe, bringing together our different perspectives as we discuss our failures in simulation and how to learn from these failures so that maybe we could save you from painful experiences. Welcome to SimFails and other conversations from the Sim Sofa. And I am Sasha Miller Botti from Down Under, Australia. And it's Kirsty Freeman from hot and humid Singapore. <laughs> and Janice Palianis from also now hot and humid uh, Boston, USA. Sup, my friends. Hello to you both. It's been a while. How are you? Yes. Can I tell you about something that happened to me lately in a sim course regarding a similar situation? Love to Please hear do. it. We love to hear it. Um, so I was teaching a retrieval team. So this is medical retrieval, people that go out on helicopters and rescue people. And they came to our sim center for a course on resuscitation and crisis resource management. Um, and the case was about a hypovolemic arrest at the border of a cliff. Uh, and these participants decided to stop resuscitating very early on the whole situation. And I'm an anaesthetist, so my approach to a similar situation is, you know, resuscitate until you can't anymore uh, in a theater environment. And we have all the resources available. And as I was trying to, you know, tell them about my frames, about how I felt that they had uh, stopped the resuscitation a bit too early, I realized very early on that the context of how they operate is very, very different to what I do normally. And I felt completely out of my depth to the point where my debriefing was completely going off track because we were not on the same page. And I felt that I was not expert enough in this topic in retrieval medicine to actually be able to instruct them. And I know, I know many times we have said that the debriefer doesn't have to be an expert and that we are a facilitator of the conversation and all that. But I just didn't know how to keep going with this debriefing because I felt that I was no one to be teaching them anything in their field. And I just wanted to know how you guys, have you experienced something similar and what has been your approach to that situation? <laughs> I think this is great, Sasha. So it's um, how to debrief or how to run a simulation when you don't quite have the content expertise. I love it. So That's Sasha, it. I'm curious, I want to go back before I share because I've definitely had some experiences that I can relate to. Um, but so you shared a little bit about how you felt. What were you thinking the participants felt about your, you know, lack of contextual experience? Yeah, that's a very um, interesting and important question. I tried to explore their frames on, on their approach onto why they were ending the, the resuscitation, but I failed to explore their feelings uh, about how I was approaching it. I um, centered my debriefing on the, on, on the resuscitation aspect and not so much on how, what they thought about what I was saying. Um, so I'm not really sure uh, what the answer is to your question. I can certainly tell you how I what I thought they felt, yeah. and it was that as they were talking back and answering my questions, I felt that 
you know, judging from their tone of voice and what they were saying, that uh, they felt that I was just not, that, that I didn't understand about ritual medicine enough. Right. So, you know, I think you, was there potential that you were projecting your own feelings onto them then? I think you're right about that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Gosh. Uh, so, Sasha, in, in the moment, I'm guessing you saw a lot of nonverbals. I mean, because I feel like this has definitely happened to me being a nurse in, in the medical world. And and I do, I, I'm extremely sensitive to nonverbals um, where they might be dismissing what I'm saying or, you know, they've got a question look. And, and I, you know, then I start paying some deference and start kind of backtracking and being like, well, you know, I could have my algorithms wrong or it might not apply in in your setting, what's going on? What are you thinking? Was that going on for you? Absolutely, yes. Um, the nonverbals were what were distracting me the most, um, <laughs> especially because once I, I I gave my approach to the situation, I felt that, and once they they disagreed with me and I went back again, I just felt that they were closing up on me. They were just sitting back on their chair, crossing their arms. It's like, you know, whatever. This is how you do it. This is how we do it. We're going to have to agree to disagree. And and that was kind of like being the end of the debriefing. Um, looking back at it as well, I think I made a very, I don't know if a common mistake, but something that I have learned not to do um, with with the years is that my role is not to convince them about what I am trying to teach them. It is not that they have to do it my way, but only to maybe sow a seed in their brain about a different approach and then let them as adult learners uh, allow that seed to germinate if they want it to germinate. Um, in the end, you know, we're teaching adults and they're going to learn what they want to learn when they want to learn it. And if they don't agree with what I'm saying and they feel that it's a different context, well, then let it be. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think you're exactly correct there. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe I don't know how long it's been since this, this took place, but it's amazing how much pressure it sounds like you've put on yourself um, and particularly in that moment um, of, of not being the expert and therefore, and please correct me if you think I'm putting words in your mouth, but, um, you know, we, um, uh, that expectation we have upon ourselves that we have a duty to our learners to, you know, to be that expert that they need in that time. Um, because it sounds like there was a lot of learning that happened despite the fact that, you know, you weren't the expert in the context that you were referring to. Yes, I, I agree. I think I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. I had this internal frame of you need to see it my way. Um, and, and yes, I, I think that that is definitely something I learned from, from that experience. Yeah. Because I had a similar sort of situation recently where um, I was completely out of my depth in that I was um, delivering some simulation um, with some medical colleagues and I was uh, part of the team to provide the simulation expertise, not the, the clinical content expertise. And it was one of those days where we've all had it where you're running the same simulation for a different group of students, you know, back to back sort of thing. 
and there was meant to be a changeover of clinical faculty at lunchtime, but due to some scheduling miscommunications, my fellow clinical expertise person that was meant to come and teach within the afternoon didn't arrive. Um, and I was, uh, you know, had to run the session on my own without the, the clinical expert. And, um, you know, I, I have done this before, but when I've done it before, knowing that there wasn't going to be clinical expertise, I've done my homework, right? So I've, I've looked up and I've, I've, you know, sort of feel like I've gotten myself to the point where I know the same amount as the learner. But in this particular instance, I hadn't. I hadn't done my homework. It was uh, trauma management, and that's not my clinical background. I'm more of a vaginal specialist. And, um, and I was completely out of my depth. It was going fine until the, the students were doing a, um, a, a physical assessment of the chest and they were, you know, tapping away and looking at me to be told, you know, waiting to be told what they were hearing. And I had no idea what to say. I just like literally froze. And, um, and the same sort of thing, I think at that point I was maybe feeling what you were feeling, Sasha, I was just like doubting myself or really sorry. Um, I hadn't lived up to their expectations. And uh, I just said, you can't hear anything because I didn't know what to say. Um, and I felt like I had done them such a disservice. You know, I, I, I have definitely been in the same situation. And, uh, you know, the, the more I'm thinking about um, this content expertise, you know, I, I think in our instructor courses, we teach, you know, if you don't have the content expertise and you don't have a content expert with you, likely the group that you're with has some sort of content expertise and they learn from each other as much as they learn from you. So facilitating a discussion where they can learn from each other. Um, but I think what interests me most about this conversation is, um, you know, both of you know that my, my passion is in interprofessional education. And um, I feel like this happens a lot in IPE. People just judge you right away. Um, and sometimes when I when I leave feeling like like you were feeling, Kirsty, I, I really think back and I think so much of when this happens, I, I do wonder if it's if it's the fact that I didn't set up the relationship right, even if I only had five minutes to set up that relationship before we, uh, you know, went into the simulation and, and had the debriefing. And it also reminds me of, um, you know, the work by Amy Cuddy, who um, she's a Harvard business professor and in her studies, she looks, um, you know, what she's found is that people judge you within the first 20 seconds. And they judge you on two, two uh, very um, key things that they noticed, which is warmth and credibility, which is trustworthy and, you know, if you're likable, as well as credibility. And so this, this topic of establishing credibility early on, like, how do you create that so that when you're in debriefing, it's not, you know, I'm sure there's things you say in debriefing where people kind of push back and they automatically feel like you're not a content expert. But I also think it has so much to do with that initial meeting, meet and greet, and the setup of that learning experience. Like it's like you've got to establish that and within the first 20 seconds, how do you do that when you don't have it? And so I think you're absolutely right there, Janice. I think what saved me in this scenario um, is that I had that relationship with my learners. Um, and also, as I reflect, 
My learners had no idea that I didn't know, just FYI. Um, this was all, you know, me and how I was feeling about it. Um, because, you know, we, when it came up in the debrief, it was like, well, it's not uncommon during, you know, trauma management that you can't hear anything. So I was able to deal with it that way. But this relationship that I had with my learners, I think, um, helped me a lot deal in the moment um, with how I was feeling about my own lack of, um, lack of lots of things. But I think that relationship building that I had done previously was my saviour. Yes, um, I loved something that you said before, Christy, about the homework. Um, I thought that was very powerful. I think that um, as much as you might not be the expert in the topic, I, st I do think that doing a, a bit of your homework is still important. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to highlight from what you were saying, Janice, uh, that I took away from, from all what you said there is how we can use the participants uh, to, you know, teach each other um, and how their own expertise can be a pivot in the debrief so that in the end, as we're trying to say it, um, we are only facilitating that conversation. Um, and then maybe something else that it's helped by the fact that you have some sort of built relationship with the participants, either because you've created that by creating a safe container at the start of your debrief, uh, and you know, you've built psychological safety into it. Um, it is that um, if you feel comfortable, um, you can put on the table the fact that you're not an expert in this topic and you know use the concept of name it to tame it and once you show your your vulnerability with your participants and say look i'm not an expert in this topic however i can still think that we can facilitate a conversation here and we can all learn from each other maybe they will in a way stop judging you which is a little bit like what you were saying janice I love that. Thank you so much, Sasha, for bringing forward this topic. Great tips coming out of the conversation. Please uh, share with us your failures at hashtag SimFails so others can learn from you too.